friend. Hi, Sean. How's it going? Yeah, yeah, pretty good. How are you? I'm all right. You're supposed to be somewhere. Yeah, um, I'm going to go do my show in a minute. What do you mean? Mate, we're supposed to be recording Mandos. Sorry? You're breaking up? We're supposed, to, we're supposed to be recording Mandos. We need a Mandos episode. What, today? Where are you? What do you want to talk about? Do you want to talk about Keir Starmer? I haven't got long. Um, I don't want to talk about Keir Starmer. Well, um, I'm in a field right now. I'm like, I'm in the queue for the showers. Is there anything like in the, in the vault? The vault has been raided. I've had COVID for two weeks. Is there nothing knocking about? Have we not had any other convos? I mean, we could put out that Iron Man chat. Oh, um, I feel like I'm really hard on Iron Man there, and I... Yeah, it might alienate some people, but what Sorry? other choice do we have? No, I'm just, um, talking about Iron Man. Okay, anyway. there's someone over there on the phone saying, oh, I'm just this way, and I'm just trying to... Where you going to stop? Oh, yeah. No, 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 I was just talking about Iron Man, sorry. No, it's okay. Sorry, I'm in the campsite, people are trying to help me. Um... Welcome to Mandatory Redistribution Party. I am Jack Lewis Evans. The year is 2008. The world is seven years into the war on terror as the United States has occupied Afghanistan to look for a Saudi Arabian man who was actually in Pakistan. Years of predatory lending and gambling by financial institutions have triggered a global economic crisis. But don't worry, a hero is coming to save us. John Favreau's Iron Man. The Iron Man is a Marvel comic book character, a war profiteer kidnapped by miscellaneous Middle Eastern terrorists and forced to build them a weapon. Instead, Iron Man, whose real name is Tony, after Tony Blair, tricks them and instead uses a high-tech suit of armor that he constructs to escape. In 2008, Marvel was on the verge of bankruptcy and had sold their big-name characters like Spider-Man and the X-Men to other companies. They still had the rights to Iron Man because Iron Man sucks. But the character was elevated by the casting of Hollywood bad boy Robert Downey Jr. The film's commercial and critical success was such that it set the stage for a gigantic Marvel Cinematic Universe. A universe in which all media, film, TV and podcast will have to exist by 2028. But, dear listeners, there was one man who did not see Iron Man. My dear friend and co-host, Sean Morley. For 14 years, Sean Morley has not seen a single Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. Until now. What did you think of it, Sean? Just allow me okay. to like hold some space to try and get out something from my system. Okay. Here. Okay. Okay, so even just before we go into it, uh-huh. I already feel like there are barriers to me articulating myself and being understood correctly. Okay. Because even just the idea of reviewing media as content 
is this so laced review. with it's not review it's a chat yeah, but even just the idea that I'm, I'm putting out a piece of audio thing yeah that is about a film oh no and you know that space is so full of people who are like performatively angry yeah, yeah, or yeah. needlessly eviscerating and there's so okay. much hyperbole in that space yeah that I don't know if what I'm going to tell you will be believed without thinking <laughs> he's hyping this up to make it seem like he's had a big reaction because that's inherently more interesting <laughs> I I was rattled by the film. Right, okay. I watched it with my girlfriend. Yeah. And then we had to pause for four hours. Sent you under. I started pacing around the room. I couldn't, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, we had to come back. We came back four hours later to finish it off. And then when I walked back to my flat, I felt like I was having a long, dark night of the soul. I was confused. (laughs) And I felt like I'd been sheltered. I felt like I felt like I'd somehow been sheltered from something. There were so many things floating around my head. <laughs> yeah. One was don't let Jack say I like. Don't let Jack like if he goes, Did you like it? I like it. I'm showing you another thing I like. I it would send me under, you know. <laughs> Did, I'm I'm in sent under. But then I thought <laughs> Ah, Jack's picked this one because it was some kind of black sheep. You know, this is the weird one. Oh, no, so no, I'll no. look it up. I'll it's go on Wikipedia. Blueprint. I'll go to the reception tab and it'll be like, yeah, yeah. oh, Roger Ebert said, oh, they dropped the ball with this one. But it's, it's that was that was like being punched in the stomach. Oh, going to see it was like, it was like critically acclaimed. Well, because, you know, that is the thing that locks it in. You've seen an artefact. Say that again because I've knocked a spoon over. I'm you know, you've seen an artifact in the world, but that doesn't tell yeah. you anything about the world until you know the world's relationship to the artifact. Yeah. And when the world goes, we actually love, we this. love this. Yeah. Commercial success, critical acclaim, to the extent that it leads to Disney purchasing Marvel in 2009 and a series of movies that is ongoing and it's grossed billions. I really hated it. I really hate it. And so, so there are these levels. So honestly, wow. we're going to talk about the film for a lot, but firstly, we need to focus on what this has done to my own self-understanding of my own I'm naivety about the world. That's all I'm interested in. That's what I want to I talk about. I knew it would be schlock uh-huh. shit, you yeah, know? Yeah. I knew, you knew how the dialogue gonna be, was going to be and stuff like that. I, it was a rollicking romp of punching people, guns and uh-huh, explosions, uh-huh, uh-huh. you know, I, I, and I've watched films like that, and sure. they're, they're, some of them are great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Some films that are just lots of action is going to happen. There's going to be some explosions. Yeah. Save the day, whatever. Blah 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 blah. Yeah. That's that's fun, right? I'm not coming at it like some kind of snobbish, can't yeah, watch an action yeah, film yeah. thing. And so I came into it like that. Uh-huh. I there's, that bit's not good. <laughs> they don't make the action yeah. feel good. Yeah. There's yeah. nothing. There's nothing for the eyes. There's there's zero for the brain, but there is so little for the eyes. It's visually awful i thought you know the whole time i'm like there's going to be a bit where he'll go on the robot suit and he'll fly around and that will be fun like there's one bit there's one bit in this film i know will be fun he'll go into the suit and 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 the director will go let's express the joy of if you could fly and it is so shit it is so shit he flies at night he flies up he never smiles or show any emotions, and then he zooms in on a child licking an ice cream in a Ferris wheel, who then drops the globule, like yeah. the, the sphere of ice cream yeah, from the yeah, cone. Yeah. He continues to express no emotion. <laughs> he goes up. It, he nearly he freezes. He falls, but then he doesn't die, and then he goes home. 
Did you like it when the camera looks inside the helmet and you can see all these visuals and it's on Robert Downey Jr.'s face? But this is what's... We are talking about flight, right? Yeah. This is a kinetics... I mean, because yeah, yeah. obviously we're going to talk about the politics, we're going to talk about the, the representation of gender, and we're going to talk yeah. about the, the nuance of what the film is saying and, uh -huh. and doing, because obviously that's interesting. Yeah. But on a basic level, this is an action film that has, it's very core, there's a guy who has a suit, and if you were in the suit, you could fly. Mm -hmm. That mm -hmm. is it's pretty cool. the hook, yeah. isn't it? It's and when he flies... Movie, right? They show, they visually represent the flight from two angles. One, <laughs> he's head. like a mile away, a speck in the sky, so yeah, you can't even yeah. see him. It's just like a dot. Shaky like a plane. cam as well, normally. As if it's like um, someone on their phone, like tracking it. Yeah. yeah. And so you don't feel anything of the, the, the kinetic feeling of yeah. him flying from that. And the other angle they cut to from that, from being so far away, they. They they cut to Robert Downey Jr.'s face in a suit like he's like Francois Bourgeois, the train guy. <laughs> and so you have no context of what it is or what he's doing. It's like it's like I was doing a like a filming you of like what it's like to be Jack Evans. And the only two shots were one from a plane and one zoomed on your nose. <laughs> That, in that context, that actually sounds like it could be quite funny. That would be good. Yeah, applying the aesthetics of Iron Man to like a kitchen sink. <laughs> the aesthetics Story. of Iron Man is a kitchen sink. Yeah. <laughs> well, the the do you see you have so suddenly I'm hoping certain things have been contextualized. So do you remember when there was a massive furore when Martin Scorsese said that like Marvel movies aren't really films and they're just like roller coaster rides, and then all of the hardcore Marvel people came out and were like, how dare you? This is actually high art. And they started like, there was loads of people quote tweeting Scorsese, Scorsese's thing, which Scorsese hadn't tweeted out, but it was some you know article quoting him with like screenshots saying like, are you saying this isn't art? But every single one was like <laughs> completely soulless shit. This is the blueprint, right? The whole thing with Marvel is it's like a factory um, sure, there's like outliers. I'm, I'm interested. I'll be interested to see what you think of like Guardians of the Galaxy, which James Gunn made. But basically, they hire people who are like kind of compliant to the vision they've got, which was is a, is a vision created by John, John Favreau's Iron Man and then copy pasted across all of the rest of them. The, it's one of the things that's really depressing about it is its artlessness. But in 2008, when it came out, and the reason I enjoyed it was it was like in some ways a, an antidote to the sort of Christopher Nolan Dark Knight grim dark like super realistic that it, do you know what i mean that's that's what it came as a juxtaposition to that's the context of iron man of like i, I know you're kind of saying it's kind of artless and joyless but compared to heath ledger's joker the vibe is very different right this is useful this yeah. is useful because i again like i'm gonna rip into it because i yeah, I, yeah. I i i hated it i had a really bad time and i kind of want to get out some of that you know the two, the, there was the this two things, part yeah, of me. For context, the two things that are really good about it are juxtaposition to Dark Knight, Grim Darkness, and mm -hmm. relatedly, Robert Downey Jr. Are we supposed to like it. this character in this film? Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you actually like Even Robert at Downey the beginning. Jr. You're supposed to, I think you're supposed to always like him. And that's the thing. He doesn't really change. He's just he's, he's like egomaniac guy at the start and at the end. You know Batman mm -hmm. puts on the character of Bruce Wayne, billionaire playboy. Mm-hmm to create an illusion but like batman is the real guy mm. iron man is like tony stark is like egomaniac billionaire guy and when he powers up into superhero mode he's just 
there's just nothing, you know? There's just He's just the yeah. same. One of the many reasons Batman is more interesting than Iron Man. If you watch this film yeah. on its own, yeah. so much of it doesn't make any sense. But if you watch it and you think this film was not designed to just be a film. In fact, it wasn't designed to be a film. It was designed to be a reaction to other superhero films. It was designed to stand in contrast to other superhero films. And so unless you know some of that cinematic contrast, for example, for example, yeah. the last... I mean, I'm going to tell you about the last scene in the movie, but I don't think anyone's going to no, care, no, yeah, right? No. You were like the last person on Earth who hadn't seen Iron Man. Right. The notion of spoilers is like... Yeah, statute of limitations has expired. <laughs> so Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. calls a press conference after everything's gone on, uh-huh. and he goes, you know what, I am Iron Man. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I was thinking, if you were just watching this as a story, right, or this was a book, him telling the world that he's Iron Man does nothing to conclude the story we've just watched, right? It has nothing to do to conclude any of the themes or any of the characters. It is not in any way a meaningful ending. <laughs> but if the film is only there to contrast against other superhero films... Then it's a pretty big him, contrast, right? Him being, I'm actually going to tell the world that I'm Iron Man, Yeah, that's interesting. But it's not interesting in isolation. No. As no, a story no. beat, it's nothing to do with the movie. <laughs> Obviously, the, Tony Stark's whole thing is he's like an egomaniac, right? Mm. And then I suppose the lesson he learns... I mean, he doesn't even learn that arms dealing is bad, right? He, he, I think he learns that like there's someone naughty in his company who's doing especially bad arms dealing. But then also he is like, the Iron Man suit is like an actual weapon. Like he, may, he turns himself into a weapon that he has control over. He's a vigilante like most super, superheroes where he is like, he makes the ethical decisions. Uh, and... Is is the arc where he where, where he's saying I am Iron Man? So it is on the one hand, it is a reinforcement of he's not really changed because he remains an egomaniac. But secondly, is he supposed to be saying I am Iron Man as as like he's gone from being Tony Stark to becoming Iron Man? And is that supposed to be a is that supposed to be a change? Because this you can see that it's built cookie cutter style on that like save the cat character arc. Well, is it though? Because the character we meet at the end. No, 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 no. no, no. I understand the beats and I understand the structure. I've read Save the Cat and I know what you're talking about. You know, it it follows the arc, it follows the structure. But in terms of the character. They would 100% think they have. A lot of media is now like an additional level of abstraction away from reality. So rather than going this is real life and here's a representation of real life. It's going, this is real life. Other people have made representations of real life and now I'm making a further representation of those representations. Like Stranger Things and all that shit, where it's like an echo of... There's just lots of things that happen in the film Hmm. and you say, why has that happened? For for multiple reasons. Why has that character, when presented with this information, Hmm. made this decision or done this behaviour? It doesn't make sense from a this is a character and they have beliefs and they act upon them sense because that level of analysis continually sends you down dead ends watching this film. But in terms of... I want some examples. Lay it out, lay it out. um, Early on in the film, it all takes place within a cave owned by a completely unspecified but Taliban coded yeah, some sort militia. Of, this, it, so it's the last year of Bush, isn't it? So it's like yeah. war on terror, sort of Islamic fundamentalists. But then the other layer of it is like, they're not the true villain. The true villain is a white American 
another rich white American person who's like their puppeteer in the shadows kind of thing, which has got a number of dodgy connotations in and of itself. There's a lot going on. Yeah, it's this, it's this with the, the film has no specific message. There's just signs and signifiers. It's why the Taliban are never called the Taliban. Do you know, if you're supposed to think they're the Taliban, nothing in the film coheres with any messaging or understanding of the Taliban. They're sort of supposed to be the Taliban while while they're not, but they also don't have any objective other than like doing They do evil. have an objective. Their objective is doing once, evil, is it not? They, they give you a stated objective in one film. Why is it? It is implied that the leader of the Taliban wants to become a great conqueror on par with Genghis Khan or Alexander the Great. That's interesting. Yeah. So the <laughs> Taliban the, the, in the this film, yeah. you know what I mean? The Talibans yeah. want to start an empire. Yeah. And it's like, well, no on. one ever believed, no one, no one ever actually believed they wanted to do that. Yeah. But you've had to make them more like America imperialism yeah, yeah, yeah. to make them seem like a significant threat. Because, of course, if you represented the Taliban like they really are, they just don't present much of a military threat. Like in this, they give the Taliban massive US tanks. Yeah. You know, because if the Taliban really were just shown as just people with very old AK-47s, it would just be trivial. <laughs> it would just be trivial. Well, and there's stuff, there's some stuff when um, Iron Man goes to quasi-Afghanistan and he like fights off the not-Taliban. And then the, I think the locals are like, yeah, you know, like he saved them. And I think that like is the American fantasy of being greeted as the liberators, right? That's what that's pandering I, I want to talk about that's that. That's what that's pandering Let me to. talk about that scene later because the worst moment of the film is in that scene, I think. The, the fact that the military is never depicted as, as bad and nor is actually arms dealing, just like Obadiah, the character, is it Jeff Bridges? Jeff Bridges' character is like... Mm -hmm. He's the he's like an evil, corrupt arms dealer. But the premise is that like Tony's like a good arms dealer who's had some sort of epiphany. He needs to just stop Jeff, stop Jeff Bridges doing the bad arms dealing, and then it'll be fine. But the military is never questioned. Like the good of the the, the military, the, the the objectives of the armed forces as char represented in character by uh, Rudy, Tony's friend. Mm -hmm. They're like innately good like the the apparatus of american militarism is unquestionably good that's just what there's a bad egg but there's no bad eggs in the military the bad egg is in the uh the private is in tony's company but even that plot line is very confusing right because the inciting incident yeah i mean i was going to give you some examples of scenes where decisions don't make any sense sean has reconfigured himself in his seat which means I something have. good's coming I'm conserving. I'm getting my chakras aligned so that I can give maximum force to this point. I'm gonna. I'm gonna make it like like Phoenix Wright. <laughs> Early on in the film, it's yeah. all centered in this um, not Taliban owned cave. Yeah. Where Tony's instructed by the not Taliban <laughs> to make a rocket using scrap metal that they have in a cave, and he goes, "Oh, okay. okay. I'll make you a rocket." But really, he designs an exoskeleton. Well, and a source of infinite power. Yeah. It shows in another scene that the Taliban have CCTV. Mm -hmm. And someone is watching him making an exoskeleton rather than making a missile, which creates a source of tension within the Taliban. So they all come in and they say, OK, we're going to... Are you doing all the things I asked you to do? And he says, yeah, I've been making a missile the whole time. We're, we're, all we do here is make a missile for you. And then he does this big speech about all the conquerors and saying that 
you need to have the best tech if you want to be mm-hmm. Genghis Khan. Then he threatens to kill. There's another guy in the cave who's another prisoner. Again, I, I, this this probably goes into the realm of being overpedantic, but like mm-hmm. w- they threaten to kill him. They're yeah. going to say, we're going to kill you. And then Tony Stark has to intervene to have him not be killed. But there's so many question marks about this guy. He's completely undercharacterized so that he can just die at the end of the sequence. Mm-hmm. But also, why do they want him? Is he important? In which case, he's being held as a prisoner. Um, in which case, why are they killing him? Or is he not important? And they're just taking political prisoners. In which case, where are the other prisoners? Who, who is this guy? <laughs> why have they got this guy who's not important and they'll just kill him? Why is he even here then? Just to be in there to be his friend. It's not clear. <laughs> And also, there's this bit where Tony's in the suit and he's telling yeah. this guy, can you do all this stuff on this computer? Because the Taliban have given him an old DOS computer, yeah, which yeah. has Arabic script on it, but still a QWERTY keyboard. And so the guy's like, <laughs> how do I put it in? And Tony's having to say, oh, you have to do this, oh, you have to do this, oh, you have to do this. And I was thinking, hang on, in the suit, all you got to do is walk around and punch. And you're telling him to do all this complicated stuff. He's not an engineer. He doesn't look like he's, like, handy. He should be in the suit. This random guy you're in the cave with, you should be the engineer, right? (laughs) Like, first of all, it's fucked that your plan is, I'm going to build a suit for just one of us and then we escape. This guy's your friend, right? um, (laughs) It has to be powered by the thing. He's made a machine that keeps the tiny bits of shrapnel away from his heart that is also an infinite source of energy. And then he needs, he's only made one of them and he's put that on him. That's why he's got to go in a suit. To be fair, There is no reason, and later on the film, this also comes out, there's no reason why the battery... more than one, yeah. You could just make another one. Given that the other guy who makes the second suit that's powered by an identical battery doesn't have a massive hole in his chest. It's just the the battery's integrated into the technology and not into your body, like every other piece of technology on Earth. You don't need... The battery doesn't need to be in you. You know, but just... Why couldn't he just make the interior of the suit big enough for two people? There's literally no reason to let this guy die. Like a motorbike and sidecar. That would have been the step too far. So they would have realised, they would have come in and they would have gone, hold on, a missile doesn't have a sidecar. They see him through the CCTV building metal legs for himself. Testing that metal been, legs Missiles might have legs. Yeah, missiles yeah. might have These legs. are just the missiles the legs. sidecar would have been a step <laughs> too far. This is how the missile can walk if it yeah. falls out of the sky. Yeah. If there's like drones up there, they're gonna spot the missile. The missile will get out of walk. <laughs> gotta lay low. <laughs> we got a bogey. I gotta lay low. A missile that does the um, video game stealth crouch. So it's, it crouches yeah. to half its height and it goes in some chest high bushes. Just checking the soliton radar. Yeah. <laughs> and so the Taliban. So you've got this weird scene where it's like, okay, so they're yeah. not Taliban. Know that he's not doing the missile. Yeah. And so they come in and they go, are you doing the missile? Yeah, I'm doing the missile. Yeah. And then they kill this guy. There's a question mark about this of the prisoner. Yeah, we're going to kill him. And Robert Downey Jr. goes, don't, actually. He's don't helping me. Yeah. And they go, okay. And then just leave again. And just he just keeps making the exoskeleton, which they can see him doing on the CCTV. It's just really hard to understand. But do you know what they do get? What? They get the rising tension trope in the first act because yeah. all the Taliban point the guns. Mm. There's also this massive exposition which sets out the central theme of the yeah. movie, which is good and bad is irrelevant. Who wins is determined by military might, military technology and the sophistication of that technology. Mm-hmm. And he says that pointlessly, talking to an arms dealer about that stuff. Fine, that's how exposition works. They leave without really stopping him from continuing making the exoskeleton that they knew about and was there 
motivation for coming into the room. Yeah. And that's just one scene. <laughs> and there's another scene where, what's his name? Obadiah, the bad arms I dealer. I think so. Jeff, let's just call him Jeff Bridges. Susses yeah. that someone's used a USB cable to steal some sensitive yeah. documents. Like, it's just done it. It still shows on the computer. It just done it. And Iron Man's assistant has just been sat being suspicious in that computer. And she has just left the room. So he has reason to believe data has been stolen and it is kept on hardware by the person who is now in the corridor outside. Mm. And he gets up angry and then just goes somewhere else. <laughs> just goes somewhere else and just talks to someone else. And it's like, oh... I just assumed he was going to go and confront the person who's obviously stolen. Well, he something. goes and gets his big suit to do the final battle. Isn't that what he does? And you know, there's just things like that where you don't understand why the scene has played out the way it has. It needs to happen in a way that's like actiony, doesn't it? I think if he used the threat of legal action. Okay, but on that point, <laughs> on that point, this is an action film. So if I'm yeah. imagining, I'm, I'm 17. I want to see flipping Iron Man, right? Yeah, I want to see yeah. Iron Man flying around and punching things. There yeah. is so little of that in this film. There are so many people walking around in corridors, talking to each other, shouting to each other, a lot of whispering to each other. A lot of quips. Didn't you like the quips? He quips with the machines. He's quipping with the... Robert Downey Jr. is quipping with the machine in his garage, in his basement garage. You know the bit where he falls down and then the machine does the fire extinguisher? The bit they put in the trailer, that is the one <laughs> bit that I think was dead. <laughs> Definite that's a joke. Literally, all, that's like the one bit. It's all like not quite a joke. Like the characters say things with like a quippy, funny tone. And that's actually a visual gag, the fire extinguisher thing. I'm trying to think of another one and I, I can't. Um, I, can, I can think of another quip that's said in a real like Spider-Man-y kind of action way. Yeah. During the final battle, Iron Man, because the other exoskeleton is like bigger and a bit Jeff heavier. So Iron Man's a big chunk in one, yeah. He, Iron Man's one is a bit faster, so it's like yeah. his one thing. And he goes round back to the nape of his neck and Iron Man says, oh, this looks important, and then like rips through a wire. And I know I've got this weird pedantic brain on me, yeah. but I just wish it just wouldn't be... You know, I'm not looking to pick holes. I came for to have some mindless fun. You end it, just up, makes well, you go, it just makes you go like, hang on, but this is your design, right? So you know exactly how important exactly. it is. Exactly. You, you end up picking holes, though, because you're not swept up in the emotion of it. Like take the Raimi Spider-Man movies, right? Which I guess are, would be the thing, you know, it's like the Dark Knight movies are the antithesis of those Spider-Man movies. Yeah, to Toby Maguire. And... Toby Maguire, yeah. There's a lot of stuff that does not make sense in them. But mm. number one, it has a lot more heart and soul. And number mm. two, whilst being, you know, like a, a big comic book blockbuster, um, but I'm talking comparatively. And also it has some sort of style, especially the Spider-Man movies because they're directed by Sam Raimi. Like, but that's it. I was thinking with the Spider-Man movie, as long as there is a scene in there, a little montage where he swings. If you make the swinging cool. feel good, 50% of the film is now good. Yeah. Even if that's not 50% swinging, the, the, the film is now good because there's, there's some swinging. If you make the swinging feel nice. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. And that's what I was just expecting with Iron Man because it's just obvious that the, the flying should feel good. And they seem to forget that... That's like a basic part of why Iron Man might be interesting to a child. <laughs> it's a guy who can fly around with his arms and legs. Mm -hmm. And they've sort of forgotten about that, I think. But the fact that he has a servant who like lives to serve a billionaire and is called Happy. Oh, there's no servant in the film. Yeah, John Favreau's character. What, the AI? The guy in the suit called Happy. And he's like... What? 
Happy. There's a man in a suit whose name is Happy. Yeah. and he, like, In the film I watched yesterday. Yeah. Sorry, are you going to hear my keyboard going? For yeah. <laughs> John Favreau. Happy. Iron Man. Oh, okay. And he's the guy who brings him a burger. Yeah, he's Alfred. He's his Alfred. If, if, yeah, if, I get that. And, but like it's... <laughs> There's this scene. I remember. I remember. I think it's him. There's this yeah. scene where he's come back from the Taliban, and his his assistant, who also becomes his main love interest, she goes, "We need to get to hospital, obviously, because you've just been, you know, mm-hmm. tortured in a cave for three months." And he goes, "No, I want two things. I want an American cheeseburger, and then I want a press conference." And then when he arrives at the press conference, he gets out of the car, and then someone hands him a cheeseburger. And again, it's just one of those little things. I'm not looking for it, but I'm like. Was the conference fast or the burger really slow? <laughs> Why did the burger take just as much time as a press conference? Unless he specifically wanted to have it before the press conference. But it's implied we got both of those things done at the same time. Maybe he's having an additional burger. Maybe it's a second burger. He said, yeah. I want one burger and can yeah. I get another burger just as I arrive yeah. to the press conference? Press but burger. I wouldn't want to. If I'm given a press conference. You don't want to be full. I don't want to have just had a burger. No, no, things. no. Burger's quite dense. I don't want the, the, the oil in no, my mouth. No, 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 no. You don't, never do a press conference on a burger. On a burger? Terrible. What else are you thinking about? When you start thinking, okay, so are, you end up in this um, real journey mm. of working out what the most basic message of the film is, and you go, okay, so our arms dealing is bad. Well, first of all, selling to both sides in a war is bad because the inciting only incident, sell to America. Yeah. Yeah. And it's and it's interesting, like the, the the weird exceptionalist language they use about arms stealing, which is like, you can't sell these weapons to those murderers, and it's like, oh, the, the Taliban, because they'll use them to murder. Whereas we should use weapons it's to question mark question com- mark. Yeah, we should send people who won't murder with them. Yeah, and there's also a really funny line that comes up. It's it's because it comes up twice, right? And I wanted it just to become a pattern, but it didn't. Every time that it is um, brought up that they should do something other than arms creation and mm-hmm. selling, mm-hmm. the other person, this is two separate people, they go, what, and make bricks and bottles for the baby hospital? And then later on, <laughs> someone else goes, what, and make <laughs> make baby cribs for babies? <laughs> it's like every anytime it's suggested they it's don't only make weapons, babies. they just go, oh, what, and make Tonka trucks for babies? <laughs> <laughs> Can't make weapons. What am I gonna do? Make gruel for babies. <laughs> and that I did like that bit. I thought that was quite a funny arms, part. Of the film. Arms dealers hate babies because babies can't wield guns. But also the idea that babies don't actually need those things. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that like, there's no market. Yeah, there's no market. Who, who's gonna buy stuff for babies? <laughs> babies have a guardian money. <laughs> I think that's supposed to be Obadiah later in a film saying something Tony said earlier. You know, like his past self that he no longer is. Terrible. To try to represent change, but it, it doesn't really pay that off. It's an imperfect world, but it's the only one we've got. I guarantee you, the day weapons are no longer needed to keep the peace, I'll start making bricks and beans for baby hospitals. Not doing a good enough job. We can do better. We're going to do something else. Like what? You want us to make baby bottles? Well, I find this, this is me going back into Pentry, and I really want to, like, admit and... and draw a parenthetical around the times where I go, this is pedantry, this isn't important, because everything else I'm saying I think is rock-solid <laughs> rock solid criticism. The thing about this thing in his chest, the, the, the writers don't really know what they want it to be in the logic of the movie. Very hard to understand what it is and what it's doing for him biologically. My understanding of it is, is that it keeps the bit of metal from going too deep in his heart, and if it, if it got in his heart, it would kill him. It's like mm. a little magnet. That That is... 
that doesn't make sense to me, but I think that's what the film says it's doing. And then I think the film wants you to forget it said that, right? So <laughs> early on, he goes, there's shrapnel in your body. If it goes into your heart, you know, that's it. You can't Game have over. metal. Basically, mate, you can't have metal in your you heart. Your I'm heart, not a yeah. doctor, but I know this. Yeah. Right? And and I'm like, okay, he's got metal in his body and there's a magnet Stopping repelling it. it. Mm. And if it stops, then it will go in. And the only reason I can think it would go in is if it's in his blood. So yeah, there's yeah, yeah. metal in his blood and it just can't get into the heart because the heart attack happens when the, you know, the ventricles get clogged mm. and metal going to clog. Mm -hmm. I understand that. Okay, fair enough. And there are times where it's always implied if it's like off or deactivated, he slowly starts to die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if a piece of metal, whether or not the metal is in your heart, is actually quite binary. <laughs> it can't be in it a bit. Like, like if it's near your heart, that's fine, uh -huh. you know, because it's already implied it's in his blood. Uh -huh. Yeah, yeah. So it's either in your heart or it's not in your heart. You wouldn't slowly die. A heart attack actually is fine, 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 heart attack. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And so what they want it to be, they want you to forget about that and then go, this is his battery, and if you take it out, he winds down like a machine. Yeah. They want you to think That's about it in this metaphorical it. way. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah. how they treat you all the time. Yeah, He's yeah, got yeah. this. This is actually his heart. Although... Spent the whole film going, has he got an organic heart? It's implied he has an organic heart. I think he's got an organic heart. The metal out. And there's a metal spike in him going towards it. And the magnet mm -hmm. pulls the metal spike back. But I feel like if there's a metal again, it would be really binary. And spike or no spike. If the spike has punctured into your heart, now you're dead. <laughs> or it hasn't done that. Yeah. <laughs> this idea of winding down like you're, a, like you're a tin soldier. When you're trying to work out what he's trying to say about arm stealing... You end up in this big circle because the plot of the film confuses the theme of the film. I think what he learns is only the good guys should have weapons. I am the good guy, so I've got I've I am the weapon, and that's okay. It's like a kind of Rene Descartes kind of approach of like, okay, I weapon, therefore I am. Do you know what I mean there are bad yeah. guys in the world? They can't have it. It's not the weapons are bad, but only good guys should have it. Yeah. Well, I only have access to my own thoughts, you know? Oh, I, the only verifiably good guy is me. <laughs> it's like this kind of, you know, it's like <laughs> solipsism militarised. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Originally, you think, oh, they're selling to both sides. Like Stark Industries is selling missiles to America and to the Taliban. Sure. But then you realise, oh, they're not. They were only given missiles to lure Stark, to kill Stark. So it's not even like... It's not even like there's actually any proof they were selling indiscriminately. This was just a specific it's like a power. It was like a corporate takeover. power grab, yeah. The US Army is an unalloyed good. Unquestionably, we're not even interested in their motivations, no. what they're doing or why they're doing it. They're unalloyed good, and that is only possible if we don't even examine what they're doing. Correct. And that seems to be a very strong through line for the film, which then gets more confused when it's like, well, why does he even need to get... If the American military are fully competent and fully good... Why? Not only is he like trying to do their job for them, he's actively getting in their way and confusing them, because they're doing like a military. Oh, there's like an yeah, he, a, doesn't a, he... a town or a farm, yeah. and he flies around and like you know his friend rings somebody goes, some of your technology's like really doing our head in. Our radars are being jammed, and like there are now all these things happening we can't take account of. Like he's hindering the yeah. U.S. Army. What I think what it's saying is. 
the only thing better than the American army would be an American army with absolutely no oversight by an elected government, just in direct control than by one billionaire. It's the ultimate American message of like, the only thing more virtuous than the entire military industrial complex in the largest militarized nation in the world is just one guy with a gun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> one guy with a gun and a bright idea. <laughs> and this leads us to the worst moment in the film. Oh, my God. Okay. The absolute worst moment in the film. Because you need to recontextualize everything I've given to you about me and my state of mind watching it. I came into it... I'm thinking about you getting up and pacing. Thinking it was going to be bad, but it would be a romp, and it would you know, go through the motions, mm -hmm. and it would be fine because there'd be stuff to look at. And so I was hopelessly naive, and I constantly... It's like I, you know, I walked out of Plato's cave, and the world's just full of shit. <laughs> Walked out of Plato's cave into Blight Town. <laughs> and so I'm watching this movie. He has learnt that his company and therefore his profits, although it never really deals with the fact like his money has come from yeah. blood, you know. It just goes, okay, well, I'm, my name's on the missile. And so he's gone over to some town in Afghanistan that is currently being taken over hmm. by the Taliban that he feels personally responsible for. And so he flies all the way there personally as Iron Man he lands in the middle of what is turning into a war zone. In mm. fact, it's not even a war zone, right? Because they're just targeted like farmers and agricultural mm. workers, right? And there's no two sides. It's to just it. a killing zone. It's just a killing zone, yeah. yeah. People train their guns on him, mm -hmm. and he clearly can't be shot. He, he'll deflect bullets. He punches a guy into like space, you know? <laughs> and so they go, okay. And they just point their guns at the hostages. Yeah. And I was thinking, okay, this is a bit tedious, but they're going to go into kind of a cookie cutter, oh, there's actual some moral complexity to this. Mm -hmm. I can't simply land here and solve everything because I have a big gun. He's oh, going to have that moment of reflection and, and the dark night of the soul. You know, I was thinking save the cat, right? Yeah. He has that moment of reflection. He realizes I can't solve it all with a gun. A gun can't do everything. I can't simply shoot here because there are innocent people and there are dangerous people. They're all muddied together. This is too complex. I don't have the skills, the knowledge, even technology can't do this for me. This is a complex human situation. Except. And, and it is framed like that. Cinematically, <laughs> it's framed by that. His, you'd see a little That's what you shot think's behind. Happen, yeah. and, his, and his fist clenches of like, I came here under hubris. What am mm. I going to do now? It's shot like that's going to happen. It almost like it's, like it's a joke. Like, the, like it's building off of this payoff where his suit goes... These guys are the good guys. These guys are the bad guys. And just shows that in like a heads up display yep. and then just snipes them all and all the hostages are fine. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, oh, oh. It's the surgical oh. strike made real, right? Oh, uh, uh, no okay. collateral I, damage. I thought you were making, you know, I was just thinking, you know, I, I didn't think it was going to go and show him accidentally shooting some Reuters journalists, but I thought, <laughs> you know, it was going to, it was going to show something of the complication of warfare. And then it flies off. Yeah. <laughs> just flies Done. away. Aren't they all cheering as well? They're really weird, right? They leave one guy alive. Yeah. Uh, and they leave one of these guys, and he leaves them to the refugees to sort out. And mm. it's sort of implied they're going to, like, kill him with their hands? Yeah, lynch him. What, what am I supposed to feel about that? Because that's obviously deeply uncomfortable, because these children have just seen killing, and now they're going to see their parents kill. It would have been better for him to kill all of them so that they don't have to become murderers themselves. They would keep their own... Innocence, but now mm. they have to manually kill this guy because he's probably too much of a danger to them. He's 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 the Taliban leader who came 
he can't be naturalised back into their community of farmers, can he? So <laughs> they're going to have to kill him. <laughs> Why put that on them to have to do that? Iron Man. Every scene we had to put in after one... It's two hours long. After yeah. one hour, we had to put in a no-pausing-to-discuss rule because one hour taken three hours to watch. <laughs> in episode 209, when Ichi plays Scratchy's skeleton like a xylophone, he strikes the same rib twice in succession, yet he produces two clearly different tones. I mean, what are we, to believe that this is some sort of uh, <laughs> a magic xylophone or something? Because every scene... Whether it's these small things of pedantry and genuine, I think I've misunderstood something mm. because this doesn't make sense with what happened earlier. I, I Genuinely, I think I misunderstood something. Can I get clarification on this? I'm trying to watch a film. I've got to talk about it with Jack. <laughs> I want to understand. And every scene has these, every scene has these things. It's like, what's happening? <laughs> what's going on? Who is this person? Why has he said that? Why has he done that? What's going on? And every scene is so, it's so bland on the eye. When he comes out with his original excess mm. skeleton, which is a machine that all he can do is punch and shoot fire. Yeah. The cinematography on that feels like a TV show. It, it is shot really badly. Even what Afghanistan's supposed to look like is really inconsistent. Because at one point, Afghanistan is a desert like the Sahara. And then at other points, it's, you know, scrublands with mountains in the background. Mm, mm. And they never show, like, oh, we're in a different bit. It's like, we're just going back to where we just were. But now it's a desert. <laughs> this is like the Sahara Desert. Yeah, doesn't he crash? He crashes in, like, a desert, doesn't he? After, the, mm. um, after he escapes and then it falls into bits. Yeah, where, where is that? <laughs> what's your review? What's your, five, what's your rating out of five stars? I know this is a massive film. I knew it was a massive film. And I came out of it thinking... Now I have a point of reference mm -hmm. for all those, you know, scruffy 20-year-olds I see in open mic green rooms. I now can hold a conversation with them. And yet suddenly I feel further away from all of them. <laughs> <laughs> I feel further away from the world than I ever have been. And as well, I'm not like some kind of weird art cinema snob. No, no, at, no. At all. I'll happily watch Robocop and Terminator and action Well, because they're saying like something. And they're saying Robocop, for example, is saying a very different thing than Iron Man's saying. But, I mean, it's still, it's still fundamentally, it, it, in the cinema, it works for an audience who want action and guns and want to see a robot. Yeah, 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 yeah. The Paul Verhoeven problem is, is that the people can miss the point that it's making, but just enjoy the, the ride. A film that can work with your brain on or off is a very good film. Mm. And a film that can only work with your brain all the way on, it can still be great cinema but it's actually quite nice to you know be a real broad thing yeah, yeah 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 that you could watch again and get a bit more from and i don't know i just i have this big it's like a puzzle box iron man millions of people millions are getting something really significant from it and i don't know what it is <laughs> i don't know what it is i think the only way to find out sean is for you to watch. The Incredible Hulk, Iron Man 2, Thor, Captain America, The First Avenger, The Avengers, Iron Man 3, Thor, The Dark World, Captain America, The Winter Soldier, Guardians of the Galaxy, Avengers, Age of Ultron, Ant-Man, Captain America, Civil War, Doctor Strange, Guardians of the Galaxy 2, Spider-Man Homecoming, Thor Ragnarok, Black Panther, 
Avengers Infinity War, Ant-Man and the Wasp, Captain Marvel, Avengers Endgame, Spider-Man Far From Home, Disney Plus series WandaVision, Disney Plus series Falcon and the Winter Soldier, Disney Plus series Loki, Black Widow, Disney Plus series What If, Shang-Chi and the Legend of the Ten Rings, Eternals, Disney Plus series Hawkeye, Spider-Man No Way Home, Disney Plus series Moon Knight, Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness, and my personal favourite Disney and Marvel film, L.M. Klimov's Come and See. Do you think I'll get through to a point where I get it? Because I'm in a weird point no, where I don't no, know whether no. just to back off forever. No. Oh, no. Try and find something in this. The, the notion of subjecting you to more of this just absolutely fascinates But there has me. to be something. You know, there's lots of things. You know, I, I would never go and watch a whole football match because I find it a bit boring. But mm. I fully get it. I fully get what's fun about football. Everything in the world that people en masse enjoy... I want to know what it is they like, and then I move on. It's Robert Downey. The first one's Robert Downey Jr. Charisma. But he's a hot... I believed he was the villain. I believed we were supposed to hate him throughout. I thought it was like an anti-hero, like a Patrick Bateman-style character where you're not supposed to like the hero. But then the film kept framing it as though I was supposed to like him. I think you've had a visceral... Do you not like Robert Downey Jr.? I thought it could have been something... I thought it was something clever where it's like... The, the hero is compromised and they're, and they're horrible. Like, the way he treats his assistant, who is going to become his love interest... Oh, Gwyneth was, Paltrow. Yeah, 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 right. And so he's, he's never nice to her at any point in the film. And there's never a point where he turns around and realises, oh, the people around me are actually what's most important to me in my life and they're the real, you know, expression of value. It doesn't matter about my money. You know, I just thought it would be this schlocky... You know, it doesn't matter about my mother, I live in a penthouse, but actually the real value is in the human relationships I make. Not at all. Never becomes kind to her, and then they end up together. There is an argument to be made that that arc takes place over, like, all of the however many films there are, but only in a very, very limited way. And, mate, if you did not like Iron Man 1, which is kind of the, the good one, no. Iron Man 2, I think Iron Man 1, if you, t- if you completely turn your brain off, and do not have a visceral hatred of Robert Downey Jr. But Iron Man 2 is uh, for representations of women on another level of bad, of Gwyneth Paltrow's decisions make no sense, and also Scarlett Johansson in that film. Yikes. Do you think if I was watching a lot of these superhero films in the mid-2000s... When they came out, yeah. and, And then I saw Iron Man, I'd be like, oh, I get it. 100%. Oh, yeah, I get it. 100%, 100%. This is Times done this to me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah, is yeah. like, yeah, 14 years of time has put an intractable gulf between me and Roger Ebert saying that Iron Man is very good. Do you know what? Maybe if I was in the cinema and it was like Dolby 1 million and it was smashing my head in. If you couldn't pause it to ask questions, I think, I think it is a film that will not suffer that well. Mm, it, it is not a film that can do well under the scrutiny of a rewind feature. No. Where you can check if what's just been said... Makes sense. ...coheres in any way with what has been said before in the film. (laughs) 
What they should have done is locked it to the cinema, lock these films to the cinema, <laughs> <laughs> and completely illegalize any other way of seeing it afterwards. There's a limited run. <laughs> you go to the no, cinema, after that, it's gone. They need the YouTubers <laughs> to make videos. So they need us to make a podcast about it. My original plan was to watch a couple of YouTube reviews of Iron Man to see, you know, and have them make me understand. Like positive ones. Or just anything. You know, you yeah, can get yeah, the yeah. you can get the the vibe. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. How, how would people think about this? I could not bring myself because someone out there would say loads of positive things about Iron Man. I don't know what it would do. It would just cognitive dissonance me. Did you say Martin Scorsese? Martin Scorsese said these things aren't cinema. They're yeah. just like a roller coaster. Yeah, I think that's what he said. He said they're just something else. And I think I disagree from the other extreme. <laughs> roller coasters are fun. <laughs> I, I, I like a roller coaster. <laughs> They're viscerally fun. You don't have to think. You just go on the ride and it just does things. Iron Man doesn't do that. <laughs> I think I think a roller coaster could be art. <laughs> there hasn't been one yet. Maybe. But it could, you know, one day. But Iron Man's not even a roller coaster. <laughs> <laughs> Mandatory Distribution Party was created and produced by Sean Morley and Jack Lewis Evans. Our title theme was created by Ella Jean. Thank you so much for listening and thanks so much to those of you who support us by sharing this episode on social media, as well as those of you who support our work at patreon.com forward slash mandatory redistribution party, which was actually this chat's intended destination before I got the coronavirus. Huge apologies to anyone who got screwed over by us having to reschedule shows because of that. Uh, do check Twitter for details about new dates, which I believe there are some tickets still available for London and Manchester. I will see you there without the coronavirus. <laughs>